Hey Queen! Welcome to another episode of Is This Movie, You Know, where we talk about movies that are significant to the LGBTQIA community and view them through a gay lens. Then we discuss whether or not the movie is, you know, gay. I'm Fernando. I'm Josh. And we are your gay co-hosts. As always, make sure that you're following us on social media. We are at isthismovieyouknow.pod on Instagram and isthismovieyouknow on Facebook. You can also email us at isthismovieyouknow at gmail.com. You can expect the casual mention of same-sex intercourse and the occasional curse word to be dropped here and there. Like darn. Shucks. Wiener. Mitch McConnell. And fucking. So we hope you're ready. Because this podcast is about to get... It's the season finale. Do 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 do. Dun 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 dun. Were you trying to do the twentieth century Fox theme? Um, no, I was not trying to emulate anything. I'm not about to get sued. Well, um, if you were trying to emulate that, you you did it so poorly that they're they're not going to sue you. Anyway, welcome to another episode. Of uh, um, is this movie you know? Um, what, what's that crackling? Oh, I was opening a chocolate. Girl, we're recording. Um. Okay, so sometimes I get very hungry while we record. This is hard work, people. You try to talk for an hour and a half with Josh. It's not cute. Um, you need some energy going. Oh my god, okay, well, open it quietly. Yes, okay, think of this as ASMR, everyone. Oh my god, oh my god. Um, isn't it, like, hot? Have you opened it? Oh my god, how big is this package? (laughs) Oh, that's a Tuesday night, uh, for Josh. (laughs) JK, it never is. Um, Oh my god, (laughs) This is our season finale, so we're a little bit sillier than usual, but we still have a great episode planned for tonight because we're going to be talking about Striking Vipers. And for those of you who might say, hey, wait a minute, isn't Striking Vipers an episode of Black Mirror? You would be right. And you might say, oh, well, doesn't that mean it's not a movie? Well, Black Mirror is an anthology series, and because each episode is self-contained and this episode was an hour long we are treating it as if it is a movie also like if we go by the emmy rules um black mirror episodes are television movies uh-huh because saint junipero which i'm sure we're going to do at some point uh won the emmy for best tv movie yes yes it did but this day we're going to do striking vipers it is um the first episode of um, series five at 61 minutes was uh, directed by Owen Harris and written by Charlie Brooker, who is the creator of Black Mirror. It starts Anthony Mackie. You might note him as the Falcon in the Marvel Universe. Oh, yeah. Um, Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Um, the second. Nicole, the second. Nicole, I don't know how to say her last name, and I'm so sorry, but Bahari... Bihari? Bahari? Bihari? It could be. She's going to um, be so upset because she's, a, a, she, she's listened to she, us. She actually you know? DM'd us um, the other day. She was like, can you please do Striking Vipers? I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> In supporting roles, we have um, Pam Clemente, Ludi Lin, August Muschat, and Fola Evans, Akin Bola. Striking Vipers. Um, this yeah. 
um, episode. Um, if you haven't watched it, it's on Netflix. It's free if you have Netflix. Um, it's a really easy and fast watch. As we said, it's only 61 minutes, but I'm going to go through the plot real quick. In case it's been a while since you watched it, or you don't want to watch it, or you just want to listen to my voice. So the episode starts with um, a 27-year-old and, and Danny, played by Anthony Mackie, and his girlfriend Theo. Um, so Danny and Theo. Um, remember those names. They go to a bar and, and they pretend to be strangers, they have sex, and he likes, he, after they have sex, they play this game with his friend who is one of his roommates. Carl. The, Carl. The game is Striking Vipers. Eleven years later, um, Danny and Theo are now married and have a child. He has fallen out of contact with Carl, um, but then he comes to a party that they're hosting, and they are talking about how this has a new virtual reality element to it, um, and that they should play. So they play, and one the role that Danny chooses is Lance, and Carl chooses Roxette. Um, well, well, wait a sec, because because we should explain that Striking v- Vipers is kind of like. It's kind of like the like the platform fighting game Street Fighter or like Super Smash Bros. If you've heard of or played those games, and you can choose like an avatar to play as. Right, and you can feel the pain, like everything and like the technology is so advanced that you can feel everything that you that your character is feeling without any real physical harm. So they start fighting, and after a while, they kiss. So, like, they are distraught, and they both exit the game. Over the next few weeks, things start kind of escalating from there. They start having, like, they start, like, exploring, you know, sexually, but doing so virtually during the game, and they're kind of, like, doing it as a kind of hush-hush kind of thing, like, they do it late at night. And Theo kind of, like, thinks that he is having an affair with a woman. She confronts him about it, um, and he rebuffs her. At the end, you know, it kind of gets, like, more and more intense after um, Theo invites Carl for dinner as a surprise. And, like, uh, we find out that, like, Carl is starting to kind of, like, I don't want to say catch feelings. And we'll discuss it, but but Carl really, really wants it. He yeah. He really, really, really wants this relationship to keep continuing because he's tried having sex with other players in the game. And it no, nothing just, has felt the way that it felt with Danny. Right. Um, and that night, the the pair ends up having sex. Then they meet in real life, and then um, they see each other face-to-face, and they try to kiss to see if there's any real connection, but they uh, they don't feel anything. They become agitated. There's a fight. Um, they both go to jail, and Danny has to call Theo uh, to pick him up, and then she's like, what the fuck is happening? And then he tells her. And in the final scene, we see that They've made Danny, a compromise. They've made a compromise. So Danny, for his birthday, well, one night a year. It's not really clear if it's his birthday. Yeah. He can play Striking Vipers with Carl and have sex virtually, um, while Theo can go at a bar and meet a stranger, um, kind of like a callback to, you know, their fantasy, like in the beginning when they first met. Yeah. Um, and that's how the episode ends. What do you think about this episode? So I think that this episode is a triumph. I think it is one of the great masterpieces of Black Mirror. I know a lot of people might disagree with that, but I I think it is really clever and thought-provoking, and I, I, I loved it when I first saw it back in 2019, and I, and I love it now still. 
I think that that you know those who are expecting this to be an episode where we just say, "Oh my God, they're so gay." might be disappointed because it takes a much more nuanced look at the spectrum of sexuality and it's something that I really appreciate about it and I I think it's it's really successful in that regard. Black Mirror has like a lot of hit or misses. The big hits are White Bear, um, St. Junipero, USS Callister, uh, USS Callister, Nosedive. Uh, oh, Nosedive is amazing. And then it has some real stinkers, um, like Ashley O. I love um, on a roll or on a roll or, or uh, Jack and Ashley too. It's a good song, but Crocodile, the Waldo moment. Um, oh, I like that. I hate that one. Like they're like you know, and that's the good thing about um, Black Mirror is kind of like there's it has themes that I feel like appeal to different people and like that's why some episodes resonate with more than others i'm like a highly emotional person so like episodes like this one episodes like um hang to dj saint junipero the whole history of you yeah. oh that episode like episodes like that to me are like resonate with me a lot more and i know like for example like my dad loves it's one of his favorite shows ever like he loves black mirror and i know that he enjoys a little bit like shut up and dance and like play a uh, nose dive um like he likes that you know like they all have a little bit of element of, of criticism to technology but it's those that like make technology like you know the main theme right i mean that's what the show is it's it's centered around t- technology and yeah. like what would happen if blah 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 right. it's like it's like the and, twilight and, zone but right about... and the reason and the reason why it's called black mirror for those who don't know it's because um when a, a screen goes dark like that's you know we see our own reflection so like that's you know connecting technology to yep. the main theme yeah but striking vipers do you watch black mirror i don't even know i do i love black mirror do you watch this when it came out i did i watched it um the first night it came out, back in, like, I think it was May or June 2019. June 2019, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I loved it. I was shocked, because I, I didn't know really anything going into this episode. And I think part of the surprise is the fact that they do kiss, and that they continue to keep kissing. Because, you know, it happens, like, 20 minutes into the episode. And usually, the twists in Black Mirror tend to be a little more... Um, scary or thrilling but uh but this one isn't and it's totally based in emotion and sexuality right so i was pleasantly very surprised this is my favorite one uh from season five. Oh, i mean there are only three episodes in season five so like <laughs> that's, that's not, not saying much <laughs> and they're not particularly strong neither of them in my opinion but you know striking vipers yeah it's pretty good this one's one that, like, people are like, is that really queer? Um, yeah, and that's why it's perfect for our show, because our podcast is literally called Is This Movie, you know. Gay. Let me ask you something. Do you think that, in your brain, do you think virtual relationships have the same emotional weight and validity as non-virtual? Wow, that's such a big question. Um... There's just a lot to unpack there because they're doing it in bodies that are not their own. 
bodies that are not only a different race than themselves, but for one of them, a different gender. Um, and so their experiences are through different bodies with diff slightly different anatomies. I don't know if this, if you, if you can compare a virtual relationship with real life, considering that, that they're doing it through avatars. Yeah, well, no, but I'm asking you, like, aside from that, like, like, virtual relationships in general. Like, what about them? Like, do you think they have the same emotional weight as a face-to-face as a -face one? Not really, because I think face-to-face -face and even, like, well, if the goal is, like, having, like, a lifetime partner, then, you know, it's someone you, you, you like, live with. But I, I think that in terms of, like, pure sexual enjoyment, there is a similarity in the same way that, like, porn can bring someone the same enjoyment as having sex with another person. You know, I think this is more akin to porn than it is to, like, the like the the replacement of a person. It's just like porn in four D. You know. Well, again, I'm not talking about the movie. I'm talking about like a person who meets someone online. Okay, but what does that have to do with striking vipers? Because I do, I kind of equate it with with the sense that for many people, like a relationship doesn't live outside of their phones, outside of their tech devices. But I'm saying, you know, like, I, I think it comes down to, like, is this cheating? You know, if you, like, it's, it's, like, something that's virtual and will remain virtual. I think that those are boundaries that you need to set with your partner. I, I, I don't think it's very clear, and I think this episode asks those questions and doesn't necessarily have the answers to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think that it has the answer in the sense that at the end they talk it out and they come with an agreement. Right, but it's, it's, it's not as clear-cut as it could be. Right. You know, it's, it's still a slightly more ambiguous ending. But no, that, that is a good point. And I, um, it's not something I really thought about, like, like whether or not it is, cheat, it is cheating. But, I mean, in any relationship, there is an element of fantasy and role play Ooh. in any okay. sort of no okay go oh, come on come on you know like like even dirty talk stuff like that is stuff that you might not actually do with your partner but like you talk about it and you kind of live in this fantasy together that like gets you off and so it's kind of like that but it's like but what if the fantasy was something tactile still not real but tactile and also, you know, it's not clear, like, like, yeah, they're having sex in the game, but, like, does he, like, orgasm in real life? We don't know. Especially for Carl. Carl's experiencing a female orgasm in the game and somehow feels that in real life despite not having the anatomy to do so. Right. So it's the feeling of sex without actually having sex, and that's why it's a little bit of a gray area. Right. If I could have an equivalent to this, I would equate it to straight men that watch bi porn, for example, mm. and get turned on by bi porn. Um, however, like they don't feel any kind of like you know, and like they probably like jerk off to it or like something like that. But what I'm you know, like they would never seek to have that experience themselves outside of what they watch. Right. Um, right. And it doesn't have to be like 
by porn. I'm saying, like, something kinky, like some kind of fetish that right. you watch in your porn that you will never seek out by yourself outside of a computer. Um, and it could be because, you know, you're probably too afraid um, or your sexuality, you, you know, you don't feel comfortable doing it. Um, or it just literally, like, might be like, no, for porn, this is what turns me on. And, like, that's where it ends. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think that the episode isn't so much about him being, like, OSC gay, but rather how, like, sex and pleasure and and sexuality doesn't really, like, doesn't matter where it comes from. What do you in, mean? At, at least in my opinion. Like, it's not about... I think that people might get the wrong idea of, like, being like, wait, I don't know if he was gay or not. Right, right. Where, like, that's not the intent of the episode, but rather being, like, you know, it's, like, this is something that turns you on. And, like, why do... If it's not illegal or morally incorrect, like, why are we going around in circles and why, like, X or Y thing turns it on? They just do. And, and, And that's the thing... It's Striking Vipers doesn't try to make an argument that these guys are actually repressed gay men. And we don't really have a word for they, what... what? I, I think they play with it. They play with it, but it's still very... For Danny, at least, it's still very much a heterosexual thing because his heterosexual fantasy is supplied to him even though it's, with, it's through another man. But he's doing it as a woman. But then again, these guys also stay kind of monogamous and neither of them for a while are are enjoying sex with their real life partners but like a a gay sexual experience in a fantasy world does not necessarily mean that they are gay in real life right as you're saying And, and and i think that this episode succeeds in that it's this revelation that as technology evolves our understanding of sexuality will also evolve and that you know, when when it comes to virtual reality, we have no clue how to categorize relationships between virtual bodies. And there right. might not even be a need to. I mean, we're nowhere there yet in life. I right. Think. But, um, boy. <laughs> it's it's heavy stuff here, you know? It's, it's, it's... I don't... But, like, and, and that's why... I, like, that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I think... The movie, I'm going to say the movie, it's it's not interested in making it heavy stuff. I think no, that, but, but it, but it I asks think that it questions. Kinda, I think that it kind of goes as a roller coaster in the sense that it goes, like, up, 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 and, like, the peak is them, like, trying to kiss, and then it goes down from that in the sense that, like, it kind of try to have its guessing and, like, be like, oh, I don't know what's what's going to happen or like how am i how am i going to feel about this like i think that it tries to keep us guessing as to like how are these guys going to declare themselves once the episode is over and at the end right. it, it just turns out to be like it didn't really matter it's right. just like a thing that we do yeah I, I i think we're all rooting for them and then at the end we realize that they just might be addicted to not this addicted. form of pleasure. I don't think it's anything to do with addiction. I think it's you know, it's just something that they enjoy. You know, if they if they can do it once a year after this, like it kind of shows that they were not addicted. But it's 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 not something that that they can do in real life. Right. No. But what I'm seeing, it's like 
I'm going to put an example. This is not me. I'm not going to say I. Let's say that you and uh, that you and me leather, leather porn. I'm not saying that you too. Um, God. But let's say let's say that you enjoy leather porn and you're like, I don't I don't know how many times of the week you watch porn. I'm not supplied with that information. But let's say it's four. You're like out of the four times that I watch it, one of them a week is going to be leather porn. Um, and you never engage with you know leather play outside of like watching porn but like you know you're like this is the you know this i'm gonna make it special i'm gonna make it a thing and that brings you pleasure like it's and like it's like i i like i don't i don't see why would that grant a label right right like i don't i don't think like it makes you addicted for liking something that's out of the regular i don't you know like if if you tell me you have a fetish that you know it's not vanilla and you do it every once in a while, I wouldn't be like, oh, so like that makes you like no, but, like a leather player or something. But it's different here because it involves another person's involvement. Yes, but they're not doing it. I'm saying like they don't, like at the end they, they end up, you know, not doing frequently. So they're not addicted. They just, it's just something that you enjoy. Right. I think I meant that I think Carl was kind of addicted to... It. I mean, he was really pushing Danny a lot to, like, keep doing this. If you watch the episode, you'll you'll see, like, Carl gets really kind of emotionally attached to this idea that Danny, at least in the form of um, the fighter, is the one and is the best sex. Right. And that's a conversation that I feel like we're starting to have a, as a society for some people who don't identify who, like, I think monogamy, non-monogamy is starting to be a thing that people are discussing. Um, and non-monogamy can be many things. You know, like, you could be romantic with one person and, and, and at the same time, you know, be sexually um, turned on by a completely other person. And it doesn't show the way that you are romantic with another person, for some people. Right, um, right. I understand why... It had to be done because we had to put Theo into the narrative um, in, in some way. Um, but it would have been interesting if, you know, like nothing had changed between Theo and him romantic-wise. Yeah. And then it, it did change, it you know, sex-wise. And she noticed through that that there was something different. Right. Um, because if we think that for some couples, it's really easy to separate the two. Yeah. And... At the end, we see them that, like, the issue was never Danny's stopping his love for Theo, but rather being, like, what, conf- like, you know, like, conflicted, but, like, what? It, why is this? Why am I feeling like this? Like, right, what, right. You know. What's your favorite uh, part of this? My favorite part is when Theo invites Carl over for dinner, and oh, it's very tense between, um, between Danny and Carl, and Theo's like, oh, I'm going to go get dessert. And they're talking and they're whispering. And Carl was like, you've given me the best sex of my life. I've tried everyone. I've played as everyone in the game. And I've tried it with all players. I even fucked the polar bear. And I couldn't get you out of my mind. There's a polar bear character. Um, I think it's like, it's a riveting moment. And and that there, I think, is my favorite part of the episode. Okay. Um... What about you? Um, well, I, my favorite part of the episode, and it's kind of, like, sad that she's obviously not the main character because it's about the relationship with these two men, but I love, 
um, Nicole Bahari, Bahari, Miss Nicole, her acting, it's, I don't know if you have, do you have Twitter? No. Um, this clip goes viral on Twitter, on like film Twitter every now and then, of her when she brings, um, Danny to a restaurant, and she confronts him, she's like, you don't touch me, like, you don't, you don't put my hand on my back, you don't look at me the same way, like, I, like, I think those two or three minutes of scene are, like, a master class in acting, I, like, really love, I really, I really, really love that scene, and in general, like, in execution, there were, like, many things that this episode, like, falls short yeah. every now and then, but the questions it poses, and I'm telling you, like, I, f I find it very weird that you didn't see it this way, but for me, it really posed, like, a ton of questions about how would I feel about a 100% virtual relationship? Or, you know, like, is something that turns me on online, could it not turn me on outside? Or, you know, like, is that right. cheating? Right. And if, and if it is cheating, why, why is that cheating? Or how like such arrangement can work for some people because it's something that I had never thought about before. Right, you know, like it, right. Like I really do think that it. And this is the thing about Black Mirror. Even in the shows that there are misses, the questions that it like presents to the audience are like a lot more important than yes. the episode itself. Yes. Sometimes. Yes. Least favorite part. My my least favorite part actually, I felt like I wanted more of the episode to be about Carl. It's very centered on Danny because, you know, he has the thing with Theo and then the thing with Carl. But I, I, I thought it was really interesting because Carl's avatar and the body that, that he embodies to have sex in the game is that of a woman. And I thought that that would have been something really interesting to mm -hmm. explore or things that I had questions about, certainly, that maybe didn't fit in with the overall theme of this episode. Right. But might for another episode. I I, I mean I'm the I'm the type of person if I play Mario Kart, I'm playing as Peach, you know? Right. But like how does that work if it's when it's virtual? You, uh, you know, how does that change when you're actually embodying the person and you can feel things for for them? Right. I I thought that was a really interesting thing that I wanted to see more of. Mm -hmm. Um that right. this, wasn't this, there. <laughs> this episode is about sexuality, not gender. Right, I know. But I kind of about But I, I really enjoyed the episode. I didn't really have a lot of least favorite parts. Um, mm -hmm. Another part I really liked is that the production and costume d design feel very retro, like the 1970s, um, despite it being like the technology of the future. And all of the video games that are presented in the in the movie, it uh, there's like a series of like pinball type games, and then there's Striking Vipers. They have the they feel like the types of games that were popular in the 1990s, and mm -hmm. because of that, you know the 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 time period this takes place in is fluid, and we never see like oh is queerness acceptable in a, in society at this point. That's something right. that that we never know, and I think that was actually kind of smart. Well, the thing about him, um, this episode is that some are very clear that happen in the future, while most of them, I would say, like, have these timeless 
setting, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. They're kind of retro, they're kind of not, um, yeah. Yeah, I really, I really like that. But also, um, I think it might be worth pointing out here, you know, this, this episode also explores black queer masculinity. Right. I don't think we, we mentioned this, but Danny and Carl are black, and nothing is said about their race. Right. Even though I, I, I think it's a prevalent theme throughout the episode. I, I think that it's heavily implied to why the reason to why they don't discuss feelings, that they don't, you know, that they're, this is something that, you know, it's not going to be openly talked between the two of them. And the reason to why, at the time, that why they do it, it's so uncomfortable. And then it turns aggressive, like physical, because of, you know, the, your inability to, like, kind of, being able to process whatever they're feeling. It's something that happens with a lot of uh, minority communities in which, you know, we are really not taught to process our feelings. But it's more especially more about prevalent um, in stories about black queerness. Um, I, right. I, 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 I think that it's an element that it's never mentioned. And, I, and Black Mirror very rarely does something when it comes related to race. Right. Mostly because British people think that they live in a post-racial society when <laughs> they do not. Um, okay, peers. Okay, Sharon. <laughs> yeah, I, that's 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 the other thing. Charles Brooker is a British man, and I think that if it and he's been, white also, and he's white, yes. And I think that if he this episode had been written by number one an American and number two um, by a um, a black creator, I think you know this episode could have made those issues a little bit more prevalent and a little bit more, um, I think they could have helped the episode. I think it's, I think so too. I think that, you know, like it's very easy to like go and like being like, they are not talking about this because they are men and they punch a wall. But I do think that themes like what is, you know, what is your upbringing and your culture like have to do with how you deal with situations like, not this, because this is not a common situation, but I'm saying, you know, situations in which your emotions and your gender and sexuality, you know, come into question. Um, you know, like, it, it, it could have been a better story. And it comes, you know, it makes her argument stronger that, well, the argument that I see, like, it's like sometimes it's not even about who's in front of the camera, but rather behind the camera. Right. Um, when writing and creating these stories. Um a black story will be better told by a black creator. A Hispanic story will be, or like a, a, a story about immigration will be better told by an immigrant and a queer story will be better told by a queer person. I don't think that this, for this case, the person writing the story should have been queer. I don't think that the, you know, like, I don't think it's a requirement. Which leads us into woulda, coulda, shoulda. Right. Um, woulda, coulda, shoulda. I mean, these two men are straight, as far as we know. Um, as far as we know, yeah. And I, I'm, it's perfect casting. It's like hyper-masculine. Like, Anthony Mackie is known as the Falcon, a superhero with big muscles, and, you know, doing army propaganda. And... Um, I think that really does fit the bill well of, like, this macho person who would be freaked out by um, something like this. Yeah, and I think Yahya Abdul-Mateen II is 
incredible in this. I mean, he's incredible in everything he's in. He's a star on the rise. Watch out, world. He's. I think he's going to win an Oscar in the next 10 years. Um, he's in The Trial of the Chicago 7. Yeah, he played Bobby Seale. Yeah. Um, how interesting. Yeah. Oh, and he also, yes, and he also, you might recognize him from Aquaman. He played um, Black Manta. He was also in Watchmen, and... Yeah, I mean, he's popping up, and, like, he's going to be in the upcoming Matrix. Yeah, um, He's going to be playing the Candyman in Candyman. <gasps> yes, yeah, um, yeah. Which I'm really excited about. He was also in Us. Oh, my God, he was in Us. Yeah. You know, I feel like, I feel like a lot of what Jordan Peele does is similar to Black Mirror in that it's social commentary through fantasy um, mm-hmm. but I think Jordan Peele does it in which it's rooted in the, the black American experience. Right. And Charlie Brooker and Black Mirror do it through sort of just a wide umbrella of technology. Right. But, our really, our human relationship with technology. Right. Honestly, and this might not have anything to do with this episode, but I would love to see Black Mirror and Jordan Peele, like, do a collab um, it's called, uh, The Twilight Zone, and it flopped. <laughs> no, but, like, an official collab. Well, that's what it is. Jordan Peele helmed the new, uh, Twilight Zone. Right, but Charlie Brooker was not a part of it, you know? Right, like, he, was, he wasn't part of it. But, like, but, like, um, I feel like, like, they could have made something like this together. Mm-hmm. You know? And maybe it would have been more specific to black queer masculinity. Here's the problem with Black Mirror is that I think that Charles Brooker makes a point out of the casting being number one, um, colorblind, and number two, setting blind. Yeah. And, it, like, they really do not want you to know where these stories are coming from. Right. And the right. only reason to why we know the UK episodes versus the American episodes is because he always lets the, um, actors keep whatever accent they have, um... And in a way it works because, you know, like you can think that it could be happening anywhere. And I don't, I don't even know where this was filmed, but it could this be happening in the UK. This was filmed across it, 18 different locations around the world, actually. Um, but like that's, you know, you get my point. It's like I, that's the reason to why I feel like Jordan Peele would not work for a Black Mirror-esque setting because... Black Mirror's essence is the, uh, the fact that the heart and soul of the storytelling is the fact that there is no setting, while Jordan Peele's heart and soul is that, you know, it's Black America. Right, um, right. And, yeah, I mean, that's why it wouldn't work. However, I do think that he could have helped out in, you know, like, telling that story. Um, but what it could have shoulda, I don't have any notes. Um, do you do do you do you think you would have enjoyed this episode if it were about two gay people enjoying a video game together in in which the oh wait that doesn't work it wouldn't work it no, would be mind. a straight couple <laughs> it would be a straight couple in which it's two men the virtual people cu- couple yeah oh I think that would have been fun it would have been hot um <laughs> and that's the thing I wonder why. His wife never joined the game. Maybe, I, I think, you know, like in the time jump, I she probably did, and it just didn't work. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's and then she I was think. like, "That that's kind of like why she never ends up joining back. But, you know, like, maybe that would have been fun. Maybe that would have been interesting. Maybe. Um, maybe. Um, dumb or snub? So this episode got mixed reviews. Um, it's definitely, it was the highlight of season five, but it has a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes and a 6.8 on IMDb. Which is just okay compared to some of the classic Black Mirror episodes like mm-hmm. Nose Dive and San Junipero and USS Callister and Hang the DJ. Um, so some critics really enjoyed it. Others did not. The episode was criticized by some queer writers for treating queer desire as a result of sci-fi technology and virtual realms. Oh, and that dumb. in this episode, queerness has to be hidden away in virtual worlds where it can't disrupt heteronormativity. Well, that's stupid. It's it's stupid because San Junipero does the same thing. No, I don't think it's... No, I, I think that the reason to why a review like that it's stupid is because this is obviously an episode about people who have never questioned their sexuality to question their sexuality, which, right. you know... You, I remember being a 13-year-old. You start panicking, and you're like, what the fuck is happening? Right, um, right. And I, I cannot even imagine if you're 35 with a five-year-old kid and already married, and then this happens, you know, like, questioning yourself and your mere existence causes a reaction. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it does. I try to hide it. I try to repress it, and it, you know, of course you're going to try to hide it. Of, of course it's like, like, I don't even think that it's, like, about queerness when, you know, you mentioned it yourself, like, it's a virtual avatar of like man and woman. Right. It's right. like it's it's I don't I don't understand the criticism, but But I I mean I kind of do in the sense that I think as queer people if we are teased with the idea that something is going to be queer, we want it to remain that way. And so we were sort of given a taste of, "Oh my god, they're gay." And then it turns out that they weren't. You know, I think that might be disappointing for those of us who are really eager and keen on, you know, seeing that queer love on our screens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand in that respect, but I think that this told the story that it wanted to tell. And, you know, I, I think it makes some really solid points. Um, is this movie, you know, gay? It is not. And dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it is not. And going into it, I knew that it wasn't. But I still love it anyway because, as we've said throughout this episode, I Fernando put it a lot better than I did. So just rewind if you want to hear what he said. I don't remember when he said it. Just re-listen to the whole episode. <laughs> um, you know, sexuality is a spectrum. And, you know, I, I, I don't think we have the the capability yet in our society to imagine what they are, if there is a label for them. But because of that, it's not fair to label them here. Um, right. So, no, this movie is not, you know. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I kind of said it. I think that the movie, the movie, yes, the movie. The movie, the just, movie. It teases us with the question of, it makes us believe that the question we should be asking is, are these people gay? 
when the question all along should have been like, like I don't think the main theme of the to- of the of the episode it, it turns out to be not sexualities but rather desires and turn-ons. Just because you watch some kind of porn with a kink every now and then doesn't make you a kinky person. Not that there's any anything wrong with that, but right, I'm saying you right. know like it's like I think that sometimes we grab on to labels and kind of like you mentioned, um, there's just simply not a label in this world for what that's happening here. Right. It's just literally someone being aroused by a character. Exactly. So. Um, exactly. It's not, you know. Gay. No, it is not. And it feels weird to kind of, you know, finish out the season with a movie that is not, you know. Gay. But I think that this, this movie asks some really great questions about sexuality, and I think that even though it is not, you know, I highly, highly recommend it to anyone. I think that the reason to why we created this podcast is because if we picked only the Call Me By Your Names and the Brokeback Mountains, number one, we would run out of movies pretty fast. (laughs) But also, you know, like, it wouldn't provide for useful discourse. Right, right. I think 10 years before, those would have been the kind of movies that we would only be talking about, but because we have a better understanding how sexuality is not A or B, it's the whole alphabet, and in between, that, you know, we are more open to reviewing other types of movies. Yeah. 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 Well, now... Um, it's the final tops and bottoms of the season! They're the toppers and the bottomists introduce what what the first one is yes i shall so this first piece of news has to do with this year's oscars um it was previously announced that this year's oscars um are going to be held um in a slightly uh more intimate setting and only the nominees will be allowed so sorry angelina and brad can't come to this one um but the producers behind the uh, the Oscars this year have announced that this year, especially in the wake of other award shows like the Emmys and the Golden Globes trying to do remote and uh, award shows in different locations, um, this year's Oscars is holding a no-Zoom rule, stating that if you cannot appear in person, you cannot appear at all. Which is kind of interesting. I hate this. This is coming, like, right after, um... The Golden um, Globes. The Golden Globes were, um... There were, like, a lot of tech glitches. I think it was Daniel Kaluuya who, like, yeah. kept yeah. glitching. You know, we had a lot of people wearing, like, informal dress, like Justin Sudeikis and Bill Murray, um, which made, for me, whole content. But, you know, if we have always thought of the of the um, Golden Globes as the Oscars' drunk step-sibling... Now, you know, with the whole scandal and with the latest ceremony, they look more like the incestuous uh, cousin. You know? <laughs> um, I, yeah, I mean, this is horrible, in my opinion, because, uh, you know, like, we have travel restrictions all over the, the, the world. Yeah. Like, what if you're a director that has, you know, busted their ass off to get their movie produced to finally get nominated for an Oscar? And now, you know, like, you're told that if you cannot attend the ceremony because of circumstances out of your control, 
and you win, you cannot attend. Like, I think that that's depriving you of, of you know, your right as a winner or as a nominee to be there. I, 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 would, I, I would agree. Completely agree. In fact, I think there hasn't been, like, much pushback to this rule, which surprises me, because... And, and I think... Because no one cares this year. Well, yeah, but I think nominees are kind of, like, afraid to say, oh, I won't be able to go because they're voting right now. Right. Like, they're uh, voting on the winners right now. Like, I'm thinking of Yeo Jung Yo What's... Yeo Jung Yoon? I don't know how old she is. Um, She's in her Instagram. 70s. Hopefully, she is already vaccinated. She's 73. But... Um, you know, she's living in Korea. She should have that chance of, like, accepting and giving her thanks to all the people that helped her get an Oscar. You know, like, I really do think it's, like, a little bit insulting to tell you, like, no. Like, if you know. Yeah, I completely it's agree. Mean. Yeah. This is a bottom. I mean, like we said, it remains to be seen whether this is going to affect any of the nominees or if any of the nominees are not going to come. Right, I mean, I would expect if I was, I don't, I don't even know, like, like Olivia Coleman. If Olivia Coleman was like, you know, like sh- things are shit in the UK and I'm not traveling, I would expect my fellow nominees. I would expect, you know, Glenn Close and um, Amanda Seyfried and and um, Maria Bakalova, like, to be like in protest, like, if my fellow nominees are not given the opportunity to accept their award, like, I'm not gonna go. Oh, ooh, ooh, that is I would gutsy. Expect, I, would ex- I would expect a boycott, because then, if no one's there, are they just going to move on um, to the <laughs> next category? Like, that would be stupid. Right. Glenn would never, though, you know? Glenn would never, but at the same time, it's like, it really is, like, one of those things that you, like, start thinking, like, this happens in a lot of, like, quote-unquote people's choice awards, to like, it's like an agreement that the artist knows that they're winning, so they were there to accept yeah, the award. Yeah, yeah. So like, it makes me believe now that we are in voting season, they are like, okay, well, uh, Jong Young Yoon is not going to be in LA. Yeah. So Jung. like, why would? Yeah. So like, why would we even vote for her? You know. Oi. Yeah. Like it make yeah. it really does make you wonder. Like, is that a thing that is influencing the voting? I mean, we're going to have to see because, you know, um, some some notable Brits are up the, this year. I mean, if Carrie Mulligan and Daniel Kaluuya don't win, it's very possible that this would have been a cause of it. But Right, and like this is like one of those things that you could not explain that didn't happen. If they, if someone wins, if like, let's say one Brit wins and another Brit doesn't win, it's not easily explainable. Right, right. To be like, no, like, it didn't influence at all the vote. You know, like, it's something that you you just cannot prove. Right. But it it really, like, if I was a nominee, I'd be like, now people, like, you know, like, they want to have a show, and they're obviously not going to have an empty podium, so I'm at a disadvantage because they want to have the ratings and they want to have people giving a speech, and I'm not going, so I guess I'm not winning. Shit. (sighs) That is very, very... Very shitty. This is a bottom. It's a bottom. And it also, like, people sometimes do not understand how little support producers and, you know, like, people were, like, not producers in particular, but all the people working in production have from their studio. Mm-hmm. 
And a lot of times they have to pay their own hair and makeup. They got to pay for their own dresses. They got to yeah. pay for their own transportation to the ceremony. Um, and like, you know, like it might be really fucking hard for someone who is not, you know, like you think of Hollywood people as uber rich, but like it happens many times that the people who are nominated have said it themselves. Like, I'm not a rich person. Like, I don't know what my next gig is going to be. Right, right. Um, and, you know, like, these people that, you know, are going through a global pandemic in which the entertainment industry have seen itself, you know, affected, maybe I'm not going to go to the ceremony. And, like, you know, like, I'm like, and that denies me the right of, like, accepting my award. Like, that shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and I wish that there was, like, a clause for, like, special circumstances, you know, or just an option, you know? Yeah. Just an option, I think, would be great. But, no, this is a bottom. I agree with bottom. you. Bottom. Bottom. Well, what's our next story? So, our next story... Have you watched the movie Mrs. Doubtfire? Mrs. Doubtfire, the beloved 1993 comedy starring Robin Williams and Sally Field... Never heard of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Right, of course, I've seen it. So this film is was it's um, yeah, it was directed by Chris Columbus. Um, and obviously Christopher had, Columbus. Uh, yep, he discovered America, and then he directed uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Mrs. Doubtfire started trending on Twitter last week. Um, after a viral tweet noted that Robin Williams, who played uh, obviously like. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire, the nanny that took care of the children while, you know, the parents were going through a divorce, um, improvised so much during the filming that there were PG, PG PG-13R, and NC-17 cuts of the film. Um, the official film was rated PG-13, which, to be honest, like, back then it was a little bit more risque, um, that your current PG-13, in my opinion, um... Current PG-13 could show, like, arms blowing up, but you cannot say fuck more than twice. Exactly. I don't know. Like, the standards were really weird. Um, but after this, everyone was like, oh, my God. Like, I wonder what Robin Williams said um, that, you know, like, made it an NC-17 version. The people started saying, like, release the NC-17 version of Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, this week, um, Chris Columbus uh, confirmed that there is an R-rated version of that. And it kind of came out um, because um, Zack Snyder's Justice League released on March 18th. So a lot of people were discussing how there are alternative cuts of of popular films. So they were kind of like saying how this could be released um, as like a bonus or like an extra. Uh, Okay, I'm not going to lie. What? When when you said that like people started talking about this because of Justice League, I was like, oh yeah, because Mrs. Doubtfire is part of the Justice League now. <laughs> Imagine. Um, I don't know if I would watch like an R-rated cut of this. I mean, I don't know what would be so different. You know, I mean, I think that the screenplay is the screenplay, and so it's not like there are going to be radical changes to the story or different plot points. That um, Mrs. Are actually missing. the R rated uh, Mrs. Doubtfire actually kills uh, Pierce Brosnan's character. Oh oh wow! Yeah. Oh, you know uh, what? In in th- in that case, yeah, I'll watch it. <laughs> well, I think it's it's more not so much of like the question is not would you watch a, uh, an R rated Mrs. Doubtfire, but rather would you watch different cuts of a same film if that means that you get to see like what it the what it could have been. 
Are there films that you think that you would be interested enough to watch that? Well, I think um, if, if, if it's any films, it would be Robin Williams' films because there are so many takes in which he does his Robin Williams shtick that just didn't get used. I mean, I remember when, when he died um, a few years ago, um, one of the animators who did Genie and Aladdin actually took some of the work tapes of Robin Williams doing dialogue, improvised dialogue that didn't make it into into the movie and did animation for those. And so I think it would be very cool to see more of Robin Williams' unreleased uh, material. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that, you know, there there's not like a gold mine of this stuff. I mean, Robin right. Williams' best stuff made it into the into the movie. Right. And made it into Aladdin, made it into Mrs. Doubtfire, Good Morning Vietnam, all of his movies. So my, th- it, my thing is also like I hate movies with homework. <laughs> I like I like watch you know, like I truly like I've discussed this in the podcast, like when people say like that is explaining the book or like, you know, that <laughs> people like it kind of directs you to like reading extra material to kind of like get more context on a story or like things that are included in the DVD extras that give a little bit more of explanations to events happen happening in the film. I think that's lazy. Like, you know, you should put whatever best version of the film you think it there is, that's what you should put on screen. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I love Mrs. I I don't think I've watched Mrs. Sapphire in like probably like in the last like eight nine years. Um, and we you know, uh, I feel like it's worth mentioning that this film comes with a certain element of controversy in the last uh, few years. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot. There are a lot of people in our community who believe that the film is transphobic and misogynistic. Right. I mean, yeah. If, and, you know, uh, Robin Williams comes off as extremely unlikable if you watch the film now. Um, yes, yes. And, you know, like, I feel like Sally Field was made up to be the villain, and she was just a poor woman in a horrible situation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of these films, it's, like, out of the nostalgia that we have towards them, and, mm-hmm. like... Like, that's my thing. There's just so many more films that we could be watching. And, like, I don't... I would want to see the cut of Aladdin in which um, Robin Williams talks about fucking. Um, (laughs) But um, other than that, you know, like, I... I don't... I don't don't like it. I don't think Zack Snyder is going to start anything with this cut of Justice League. But in general, like, like, just stop. I, like, I know that there's, like, an executive right now, like asking an intern to, like, look through the ball to see how, you know, if they can create extra content for movies. And, like, just don't do it, because... I mean, only if it's, like, a bad movie that maybe there's some stuff in there that they didn't put in that could have made the movie better. In general, I just think that a movie lives or dies in its opening weekend. And after (laughs) that, you know, like, I, like... Like, what's... uh, Bad movies. Give me three. Three bad movies? Yeah. I can't think of any. All right, oh Birds of Prey. If you told me there's an alternative <laughs> cut of Birds of Prey, I'd be like, work. Like, I don't, like, what's that good for? Oh, The Good um, Dinosaur. 
you know I like people dying. So. I know, um, but it could have been better. But what you know, what I'm trying to say really is like if the if the movie was great, I'm gonna want to watch the original version that I fell in love with. Yeah. And if the movie was bad, I'm not gonna rewatch what potentially is a still a bad movie with extra content. Right. Although, um, you know, a lot of times what they've done is that they've released like unrated or um, extra scenes onto DVDs in the past. Which I've never watched. I don't purchase DVDs. Um, <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. If you want me to watch your movie, like, don't don't release the same shit with 15 extra minutes. Like, like show me that your product is good in the, on the first round. Yeah, um, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch this. No, this. I don't think I would either. It's also a bottom. It's a bottom. It's a bottom. It's a bottom in the. It's a bottom in the sense that like there's no need for it, and in general, like I don't want to see fucking extended cuts of movies. So yeah, 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 and usually yeah. like and you and usually like the extended cuts are never as extended as Zack Snyder's Justice League. They're usually like right. just five or six minutes longer. You know. That's the other thing. It's that like sometimes people think that Hollywood is just throwing money at shit. And sometimes, like, with Zack Snyder's Justice League, it might very well be like that. But <laughs> most of the times, movies get a very strict budget. Yeah. So there's no time to be, like, recording, like, like shooting 20, 30 minutes worth of footage that you're not going to use. Right. It's very rare that that happens, especially with animated movies, too. Well, have you seen the extended cut of Beauty and the Beast? No. It's really good. It, they... Uh, they they just added in a, a five minute song that was cut, that Alan Menken and Howard Ashman did called "Human Again," um, and it's very cute. I mean, the mo- the movie is still excellent. Um, if it's not the NC seventeen cut of Beauty and the Beast, I don't know. <laughs> um, but see, like you know, like I can live with that. And like right now, I wish I could tell you that the app that we we're gonna finish recording, and I'm gonna look for the scene on YouTube, but I probably won't do it. So I'll send it to you. I'll make you watch it. Um. Like, here's my thing. Like, I think that my original experience watching the movie was so good that I don't want to do any more homework because it, it might, you know, I could hear you typing. Yeah, I'm um, going gonna, gonna to send it to you. It's okay. And... <laughs> You're mad. You're like, I don't want to do homework. Um, but yeah, like, that's... I, I, I just think, you know, for directors out there, present your best... And I really am sure that, you know, with all its faults, like, at its time, like, the 1993 movie was very well received for the balance of tone that they achieved. It was, it was, it was somewhat well received, you know? It was very well received. It doesn't have, like, a 98 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, oh, but it made money. I hear you typing. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, it made money, yeah. It made a shit ton of money. It made, yeah, it made and a, a budget of $25 million, it made $441 million. Wow. So wow, I mean, I'm sure there would. That's the thing. I th- I'm sure there would be interesting for an R-rated version of it. Um, but please don't. I don't want to do homework. Yeah. No. No, thank right. you. Bottom. Two bottoms. Two bottoms. Uh, that wraps up our season. That really does. Oh my um, god, this is like sad. Yeah, but we'll be back someday. Somehow. Will we? Yeah, we'll be back. I guess. I just so. gotta learn how to edit. <laughs> um, but once you train me, I can do it. Um, 
But thank you, everyone, for listening. It's been a journey. I feel like we've gotten a little bit more diverse with the movies that we do and the people that we have over, so I'm really happy about that. Um, what else? What do you learn with the second season? Um, I've learned that I absolutely love talking to you, and I'm so glad that we've been able to set aside time every week to just talk to each other about movies. Yeah, and I mean, I'm gonna miss that in the off season. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure we're still gonna talk and we're gonna bitch about it. Um, just not record it for the whole world to listen. Um, <laughs> but thank you everyone for listening. Thank um, you, thank we'll you, be thank back. you. Um, you're gonna hear an announcement on our Instagram. We already said at the beginning of the episode, but follow us at is this movie you know dot pod on Instagram or. Email us at it's this movie you know at gmail.com. Also, Fernando's birthday was recently, and there's no better gift for Fernando's birthday than to rate us five stars on it's Apple true. Podcasts. It's true. I don't ask for much. Um, <laughs> and listen, if you like the podcast, let people know. Maybe one day there will be merchandise. Maybe Josh and I can quit our jobs and fucking live off this podcast. You never know. <laughs> Um, Please help us achieve this goal. Yes. Um, so thank you very much. Don't watch the Oscars. Shit on the Golden Globes. Support queer movies. Um, if you're vaccinated and you feel comfortable with it, go back to a movie theater, preferably an independent uh, theater chain. No, not a chain. Well, it could be a chain. They're independent. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, support um, indie movies. Um, spread the word about queer films. And... Keep it, you know, gay.